Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our study on Christ, our healer, and it, it has been an interesting study so far. I can tell you that for sure. I've really enjoyed this study if we've, as we've looked at Christ, our healer, and, and really seeing who Christ is and who God is and what he wants for us. And of course, starting with that idea of creation, he created this world and he didn't create sickness. He didn't create disease. He didn't create illness. But that entered in when man exercised his free moral agency and we see sin come into the world and through that sickness, disease, illness, and even death, of course. And of course, we go and we see that God is Jehovah Rapha. This is who he is. He is Christ, our healer. He is Christ, our healer. And today we're continuing to look at this concept of Christ being a healer and God being our healer. Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer, the Lord, our healer. Um, I, I guess is really what that's how that's translated. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8. Now, uh, there is a, a passage on healing in this, which is what we're going to be looking at today, but it is uh, perhaps known for other things in this, uh, in this chapter. And so uh, while we're reading the scripture reading, remember to pay attention to the healing, but you do get to see uh, the heart of God once again all throughout scripture in Mark chapter 8. And it says this, in those days, the multitude, being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, uh, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Then the disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. And so he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And then he took seven loaves and he gave them, gave thanks and he broke them. And he gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. And they had a few small fish. Having blessed them, he said to them also before them. So they ate and they were filled. And they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000. And he sent them away. Immediately uh, got into a boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmantia. And the uh, Pharisees came and they began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign uh, from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them and getting into the boat again, he departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the, the boat. And he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we have no bread? But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke five, thousand, five loaves and uh, for the 5,000 and how many baskets of fragments did you take up. And then they said unto him, Twelve. Also, when I broke seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of fragments did I take up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that you do not understand? Then he came to Bethesda, and they brought a blind man to him, 
and uh, begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put uh, his hands on him and he asked him if there's any, if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And then he put his hands on his eyes again and he made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And when he had sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into town nor tell anyone in the town. Now Jesus had and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And uh, on the road, he asked the disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? And so they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah and others, one of the prophet. But he said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them uh, that the Son of Man must suffer things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he turned around and he looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had called uh, the people to himself with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever desires to lose his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. Now we see here in this passage of Scripture, uh, in this chapter, this great chapter of Scripture, where you start off with the 4,000 being fed, which you see the great compassion of Jesus Christ here, and of course the, the, the incredible power of Jesus Christ as he goes and he feeds all of these, these people with just seven loaves of bread. And, and then you go from there, and at the end of the chapter, we go and, and we see uh, where Jesus you know, ask the disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, some say this, some say that, some say this, but but who do you say that I am? Well, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Well, don't, you know, don't tell anybody because the Son of Man has to go and and suffer these things. Then Peter comes up and says, oh, Jesus, you need to stop saying those things. I mean, don't you know how, how, how great you are and what all we could do in this earth? Don't be saying these things. And then Jesus rebukes him saying, get thou behind me, Satan. And of course, then we see where Jesus says those famous words, Whoever desires to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake uh, shall, shall find life. And, and, and we see that incredible—I mean, this is an incredible chapter of Scripture. All this is in it. But nestled in all of that, right in the middle of this chapter of Scripture, is this blind man in Bethesda who needs to be healed. Who needs to be healed. And, you know, there's some— Weird stuff that people do because of this chapter of Scripture, because of this passage. Because what does Jesus go and do? Well, he takes him out of town, and then he goes and he spits on his eyes, and then he goes and he touches his eyes again a second time, and then the man is healed. And there's a couple different things that I want you to go and, and see with this. And the first one is this concept of, of spitting. Now, 
Jesus isn't giving an example of spitting. That's not what Jesus is is going and doing here. He's not saying like go spit on somebody. It's holy spit. You know, he doesn't go and say that. That uh, that that's not not at all what Jesus is telling you to do. That's not the way to go and to heal somebody. What Jesus is going and, and clearly showing here is that he did the healing work. He did the healing work with this man. He healed his blindness. But it seems as though this is why you'd spit on somebody's eyes, that there's something that's blocking his eyes from opening properly. And Jesus was taking care of that. He was scraping that away. And that's why he touched his eyes a second time, because the man could kind of see. Well, does this mean that, you know, Jesus only partially heals and then, oh, got to try that again. Let's go and get that going. I only kind of healed you. Let's try it again. No, that's not how that works. Jesus is going to heal somebody. He's going to heal somebody. That's that's the reality of it. What Jesus was doing here was obviously he could see, but he could only see like it was it, it, like men were as like trees, and they touched his his eyes again. He's going and scraping gunk off of his eyes. That's what Jesus was doing, and he's showing a, an incredible, important part of healing. And that is the physical part of healing. And there's really two aspects to this. You know, one is just in, in general, the, the physical aspect of, of healing. And this is right here in this passage is that there's an indication that, that Jesus wouldn't be against hospitals or doctor's offices. You know, sometimes people go and they, they get into healing so much that they think that it's sinful or would be wrong to go to the doctor. Well, that's not true. There are physical things sometimes that you, you need to go and to do. You need to go and do. That doesn't change the fact of uh, of the spiritual. In fact, if you if you talk to a doctor who's honest, uh, they, they don't really understand why you get healed. Like they can understand the processes uh, as to what might help you get healed, but they're not actually the ones that are doing the healing at all. In fact, the things that they're giving you isn't doing the healing. It's just setting the stage, the environment, making the environment more conducive for healing. That's the reality of it. There are physical things, but ultimately God is the healer in every aspect when somebody gets healed. It's it's not a doctor who goes and heals somebody. It's God who's going and doing that, who's bringing the um, the, the molecules or, or, or the, the, the parts of the body back together, who's bringing that skin back together, who's going and connecting the tissue back together, who's going and, and removing that illness. It's, it's God who's doing these things. But we also see the other side of healing because there is this, or the other side of the physical uh, is, is this concept of, of being healthy, of being healthy. You know, sometimes somebody isn't healed for a good reason, and that's because of their own choice. It's because of their own choice, not just their own choice to not believe in God, not just their own choice to not come to God, not just their own choice to not be connected to the body of Christ and, and getting into uh, a, a church and to being uh, going and, you know, calling forth the elders as in James chapter five. It's sometimes simply because they're walking in unhealthiness. You know, if you go and you eat 
you, you know, 15 candy bars a day and you are, uh, you, you know, drinking all kinds of sugar pop and all kinds of stuff. And that's the only thing that you're drinking. You're doing that on a daily basis. And you've got this high sugar uh, diet that's going on in your life. And then all of a sudden here you get diabetes and then you go and you say, oh, Lord, uh, please heal me from diabetes. And you keep doing the exact same things. God's going to say no. No. Because you have a part in this. You have a physical part in this. And that's, that's the second thing is that you need to walk in health. You need to walk in health. If you're going to go and live a completely unhealthy life and a completely unhealthy lifestyle, and you're going to go and say, oh, Lord, please heal me. God's going to answer you with a big no. Because this is part of that condition that he sets forth. He doesn't go and say, look, you can continue to walk in sin and not have self-control and uh, be a glutton or, um, you know, whatever else you're, you're doing. There's all kinds of stuff that brings sickness, disease, and illness in your life. You, know, you go out there and you you get an STD and uh, then you continue to live in fornication or adultery or, uh, or or something like that. And and you go and you say, oh, Lord, please heal me. He's going to say no because you're living in sin. That's the reality of it. It's, it's just the, the reality of it. God will tell you no. And though we don't have that with this man who was blind doing those kinds of things and uh, or whatnot, but we do see that that Jesus gave him sight, takes him out of town, spits on his eyes to go and to clean off the gunk. I imagine that part of the reason he took him out of town was so that all of his followers wouldn't go and see, oh, look, I need to start spitting on people in order to heal them. Because that's not what Jesus is doing. It's not magic spit. It's that he's going in cleaning out the guy's eyes, the gunk in the guy's eyes so that he can see. And that's made clear when it goes, he says, yeah, I can see, but think, the men are like trees. So what does he do? He goes and touches his eyes again. He goes and he cleans out that gunk. That's what he's doing. There's a physical aspect. There's a physical reality when it comes to healing. This is so important. So if you want to go and to have healing, it's not just that you need to have the spiritual side of things, but at times you also need to have the physical side of things down. And that's one that is tough sometimes for people to realize, especially those who believe in healing, because they understand the spiritual side of it. They see it in God's word. They believe it with their heart. But real faith has real actions. And that means that you don't just need to believe that God can heal, but that you need to walk in that healing. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And while we trust in Jesus, sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing Sing like the battle's been won